Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Good afternoon and welcome to Collaborative Connections Radio Show and Podcast, sponsored by KLM Consulting. I'm your host, Kelly Lorenzen, and we are coming to you live from the Phoenix Business Radio X studio. Collaborative Connections is a radio series created to bring entrepreneurs, nonprofits, and associations together to build relationships, foster collaboration, and grow a stronger community together. Our hope for today is that listeners and guests alike will walk away with a golden nugget and or a new resource for their business. Today, I have the honor of being in the studio with three amazing people that I would love to introduce to you. Jeremy Nice, welcome. Why, thank you. Good afternoon. Shaza Barbar, welcome. Thank you. And... Karen Nowicki, welcome. Hello. Thank you all for being here. So we want to open it up just with a conversation, get to know each other. Some of us know each other. Some of us don't. So we'd like to go around and as if we were sitting at coffee, (laughs) tell us a little bit about your businesses, a little bit, something we wouldn't know. And for listeners, maybe a golden takeaway, a little nugget, something that you wish they would know. So for investments, you know, maybe retirement planning or something, something, you know, co-working space and why, why you would have a woman's co-working space, what is important to that, right? So speak to your industry specific and conscious capitalism um, and Phoenix Business Radio X, which we love, Karen. Tell us a little bit about your businesses, but why is it important to the community and a, a golden nugget? Jeremy, I'll start with you. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, start <laughs> yeah, with me. The new guy. <laughs> I do like uh, the fact that we have an hour to run through this. This is the most awkward question when I'm at a social gathering. Like, tell me what you do. It's like, mm. I'm going to need you to sit down because <laughs> this is when I wish I could say, I'm a plumber. I'm a gardener. And then I'm done. So I would be remiss if I didn't start with the most important job that I am affiliated with is that of being a husband and father and son and brother and all that good stuff. Unfortunately, I have yet to... Um, get any paychecks from that role. I know, right? (laughs) So, yeah, so that forces me into the vocational sphere. Um, I would constitute my uh, journey in totality as being a business operator and or in service to other business operators. So presently, I spend the majority of my time with an organization called Retirement Evolutions. We are a boutique wealth management firm. We focus on long-term wealth strategies, so often that's retirement-centric. I also... Always make sure I leave a lane open for freelance activity because uh, my wife says it's ADD, but that's not what it is. <laughs> it's that I have an insatiable curiosity and attraction to cool projects. Uh, my skills and contributions typically are around implementing systems or refining systems that have outcomes that improve something for humanity in some way, shape, or form, that humans are better by the time we're done wrapping up a project. So I always have little things spinning around on top of that. Uh, and then also... It is not a paying gig, but being a part of conscious capitalism is a big part of my uh, personality and uh, interests. And so we can certainly dig into deeper on that. I have lots of nuggets that I can drop on that one. Uh, Specifically for retirement planning, if I had a nugget to share, I suspect it'll be twofold. So the first is that when it comes to wealth management, people think finances explicitly. And that's a really shallow way of looking at your wealth picture because there's so many other forms of wealth your health, your physical wealth is very important. I've seen plenty of people that have big bank accounts, but they can't get off the couch. And so that's not really quality living, if you will. Uh, your emotional wealth is important. Your uh, social wealth, how you circle 
with other people. Those are all really important dynamics. And so people like to get in the weeds on what does the spreadsheet say? And I think that the, uh, the human side of wealth management is really the more important thing to pay attention to. And the other one is, I would say, as difficult as it is, as unsexy as it is, it is not a uh, retirement planning specifically. It's not something you can uh, put off and cram for the final. It is really a lifestyle and a long-term approach of good habits. You know, unlike your health, if you haven't been exercising and you eat the wrong foods and you put the wrong things in your body, you can't just reverse that in a year and say, oh, I found a better way. It's not going to work out. So the nugget I would give is there's never going to be a convenient time to start to be the discipline and behavior to start thinking for the future. Um, and I can share more, but I don't want to hog the entire microphone time. So uh, I can hogging. circle back as <laughs> necessary hogging. for more uh, practical steps on how you can do some of those things. So tell us about um, retirement evolutions. Tell us there's so many out there. What, what's, yes. what makes you guys different? Thank you for asking that question. So at the end of the day, I would say there's two major categories of retirement shops or wealth planning in general. Uh, that is sort of the big brand that you see in most of the strip malls and the names that everybody knows. Uh, and then there are the independents. We are the independents. We are a very small shop. Uh, as an independent, we don't, we are called what's a fiduciary, which means we are, we are obligated to serve our clients and only our clients. We do not take commissions from any particular funds that we recommend or anything like that. That would be a broker arrangement. So that's what those bigger shops typically are. So uh, one of our key differentiators is just that we're small and able to focus on our individual clients and not necessarily on any uh, products that are special of the quarter that we need to make sure volume is being moved, those type of things. So it gives us a lot of flexibility and specialization. Uh, and then otherwise, amongst if you kind of strata those two tiers, so you got the big shops and you got the independents like us, then it's really about personalities and how do you connect with people and, and what drives you. Uh, this business was founded by a gentleman who had some hardships early in his life and he was understanding of being on the flip side of someone who hasn't done an exhaustive retirement planning and set their family up for success after the fact. And so he's really impassioned by it. And that really shaped what our organization is all about. And as you get close to it, you can really feel that heartfelt seed that was planted as opposed to, all right, people need help with their money. So it's uh, it's Genesis is really kind of what separates us. That you that you get the attraction for you to work there, but also to the clients also. Correct. Yeah. And I'll say that I uh, I joined on with this team without ever having, and I, I, this was one of my freelance projects was mm -hmm. helping out a friend uh, cross the bridge between some initiatives. And I never saw myself in this role, but when I saw, there was a few pivotal moments I can share where my North Star was whatever I'm part of, it needs to be able to enrich people's lives in some way. And so I was just thinking, you know, in a lot of ways, Wall Street's kind of the enemy of Main Street, and I don't see myself sitting in that role. And then when I saw what a difference it makes when you do listen and understand what people's motivations are and how you can really impact their lives in some significant ways, I sat in a few meetings and I said, ah, okay, I, I misunderstood. This is really something I need to be part of. Way cool. And yeah. to be able to express that to, to people who don't understand, who think, oh, great, they're just going to take my money mm -hmm. and, you know, you don't know what they're doing with it. And to come from the other side of it, you probably have a way better Absolutely. connection with the with your clients because you go, no, this, I know I thought the same thing, but. Correct. Yeah. That's correct. Jeremy, just in Arizona 
or are you guys? Yes, we are licensed in Arizona. Uh-huh. So um, the rules are you can take on a handful of clients in any state, um, but our focus is definitely Arizona. We want to be able to sit down and have lunch and yeah. And how about personal. your um, the the type of clients that you specifically work with? Are these do they tend to be business owners? Are they folks who are nearing retirement or early twenties or or is it everything? Great question. Uh, it's not everything uh, because we definitely want to have some specialization and what we can bring to the table. So we do have a division that works for group retirement plans, which would typically be your business owners. Mm-hmm. The majority of our clients are people that we are considering in transition to retirement or are actively in retirement. In fact, um, a lot of what we do, the strategies that you use to create your nest egg and the strategies that you use to retain your nest Mm -hmm. egg as you go throughout your retirement years are vastly different. And so we're often there at that transition point to help people understand you've done a great job. You've accumulated assets. You've got good growth on all those. Now we need to make sure it makes it to the finish line with you. And so you have to do things a little bit differently. Uh, So those people, how they accumulate their wealth is all across the board. Yes, Many of them are successful business folks. Some of them, they've got money. Um, we still have some people that are coming in with nice pension strategies and, and get some good employer benefits. It was fantastic to see. So just a lifetime of discipline and saving and working, you get there. Some family money, you know, it's all across mm-hmm. the map. But it's definitely people that see value. You know, I kind of describe there's three lanes, if you will, of your approach to finance and management of it. So the first is I'm do it myself. I mean, at the end of the day, we, we could all do our own services, right? We could change our own oil and paint our own houses and do all these same no, things. No, thank you. No, thank you. But it's kind of easier to hand that off to people who do it every day and have the skills and expertise to do it. So, but there are those that are do-it-yourselfers and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, then you have sort of the middle lane, which is the do it with me, which is I can I can handle a lot of this stuff, but there's just some nuances that I'm a little fuzzy on and I would love your help. And then uh, the last lane would be do it for me, which is I don't have any inclination. I don't care where the dollars go, how they get there. You know my goal. This is what I want my life to look like and align my dollars appropriately. So um, to our clients are those that kind of reflect that middle lane more than anything. It is definitely a dance. We need their participation if they're not uh, in it to a certain degree. Uh, it needs to make sense for them and to them in order for it to work. A lot of people that have frustration with some of their previous financial challenges or things that didn't work out the way they wanted them to. It's typically just because they didn't understand what they were getting into or they understood the top surface of it, but not everything at its depth. And so we work in that middle lane. Here's here's what I'm hearing, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm hearing you part guide, part educator, and part counselor. Uh, Yes. This is why I can't answer the question, what do you do uh, in, you know, a single word? Because there is so much depth to what's involved. And it's sort of uh, when someone says we want to understand better, it's then then come sit down with us for an hour or come to one of our educational events so you can really get an understanding because it is so hard to – you just hear wealth manager and say, I got it. I'm mentally cataloging that as something I've seen before, but – it, you are correct. There are lots of layers to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm familiar with that. <laughs> yes. Well, right. I think we can all say that. Right. <laughs> yeah. We're like, how do you describe yourself in one word? Eh, that's yeah, not possible. <laughs> that's right. Can Thanks. I put a lot of dashes in yes, that word? Right. <laughs> that's right. Shaza, tell us a little bit about you own Hera Hub Phoenix. Yeah. Tell us a little so bit about that. I run Hera Hub Phoenix. I'm the founder and CEO, and it is a female-focused co-working space for women, business owners, entrepreneurs, professionals. We're not exclusive uh, to just women, but we've just designed the space that specifically resonates with women. 
Um, we want, I really, my mission was to just create a landing space and a launching pad for a lot of women that are starting businesses, that are growing their businesses, and a lot of them that are just in transition. They're trying to figure out if they want to start an, um, their own business or transition from a corporate to a non-corporate job or even that next um, career path. So that's, we've been open for about a year and a half now. It took about you know two years to open, but it's been awesome. It's been an amazing journey for the past year and a half, and what we're creating, really for the city of Phoenix. So, and I will tell you, anybody who's anybody hangs out at the Hair Hub, and sadly, I'm not there. I'm, yeah. I mean, not sadly, but <laughs> I'm here at Max Six, which I love. Uh, but I, every time I see something going on, and either an educational thing or right. guest speaking or some sort of um, networking event. Uh, you're right there, and it's really fun with all the people that I know and appreciate in in the Metro Phoenix area. Yeah, uh, again, both men and women alike. I know Adrian, who owns Valley Business Radio X, mm-hmm. has spoken for you guys a couple of exactly. times. Exactly. So yeah, it's it's just a great place. Yeah, we have such a mix of people, and it's uh, I mean, it's become a very diverse community, uh, which I absolutely love. It's become a very global community. And that's everything that really I envisioned it and wanted it to be a very diverse in industry, but even in diverse and global in perspective and membership and people that come through our space. So there's always either foreign languages being spoken or just just a lot of interesting conversations. So I what love it. What drew you to want to create that? It actually came from my own personal journey. So, you know, I left corporate America 10 years ago when I moved here and I came from the healthcare and pharma space. And took some time off, co-founded a nonprofit, you know, did that for a while. And then as I was trying to figure out, well, what is it that I want to do with my life? Like my career, what's my career path look like? I actually wanted to start a company, a platform in the healthcare realm. But Phoenix, about, what, six years ago, there was nothing here. I mean, there was one or two co-working spaces in the city. And there wasn't anywhere to go if you had an idea of like, I want to start a business, but I have no idea how to do this. Especially coming, you're new to a city come with a corporate background, you know, dabbling in nonprofit stuff. You're like, how do you do this? It's so different than my corporate world. And the people that I was connecting to, the stuff they told me just sounded so overwhelming. I was like, who the hell would ever want to start a business on? <laughs> like, who has, who's got $500,000, a half a million dollars just lying around to try a beta test of some, like, program or, you know, platform? And a few of my connections kept telling me, go see what San Diego has. Just go see what's going on in the city of San Diego. And I was like, well, what's going on? And they're like, well, they have um, over three female-focused co-working spaces. They have a whole ecosystem to build and develop specifically for women in business. There's the co-working spaces. There's the funding arm. So there's angel investments. There's VC funds that are really focused on pushing the needle and helping support women businesses. And then there's like accelerators and incubators, all of that under in one city. And I saw it and I was like, this is it. Like, this is exactly what I need and what I kept hearing from so many women in Phoenix that they needed too and they wanted too. They wanted a space that they could land and launch from and a community and the support system and having those resources at your fingertips to make that happen. And I was sold. I was like, this is a mission I can get behind and a mission I can see myself really developing and leaving as a legacy, not just for me, but for my daughters and for just women in general here and nationally and internationally. I mean, it's a trend that has been taking, that has just exploded on a national level and international level of just, you know, women speaking up and speaking out and saying, you know, we kind of want our own space. 
too. We want our own collaboration or we want the resources and everything at our fingertips instead of feeling like they have to fight for it all the time and not being, you know, not being seen, not being heard. And st- and we're still there. We're still fighting for funding. We're still fighting for a lot of things that we that just don't come as easily to women in business than um, our male counterparts. So that is something I just I fell in love with. And I was like, I'm, I'm here. That's what I'm going to do. Well, and your ultimate vision is to build the bridges between the communities. Yes. So what a perfect way to do that, right? Yeah. And that's that's something like kind of it's been my mantra is like I build bridges. I build bridges. And mm-hmm. so we build bridges locally between people, collaborations internally within cities, but then also across borders. So like really making those connections happen. And, you know, I've sent a few startups in the past two years, female startups to um, like the Women's Venture Forum in San Diego to actually pitch on stage and find Mm -hmm. the resources and funding that they need that Phoenix as a city just doesn't have yet. We're not there yet. We're growing as a city. There's still a lot that needs to be done. So for me, I'm like, oh, hey, let's send you, let's send you next door. I mean, San Diego is like five hours away, you know, let's do this. And so doing that on a national level and then international level, like making contacts with government officials in other countries and saying, what are you guys doing for women? Do you guys need help? Do you need support? And being that kind of like an intermediate consults, consultant to what they're trying to develop. So um, there's always, there's always bridges to be built. And that's the, you know, we'll go f- along a lot further building those bridges. Well, and that's kind of what, I mean, I don't know much about conscious capitalism, but I know Jeremy and Karen, you can speak to this, that it's kind of the similar thing of let's do business together. Let's build the bridges. Harab is the best place. I mean, I just go hang out there once a week just to meet with Shaza and and the people that I've met and the businesses Mm -hmm. that I've connected with and, you know, building, whether it's clients or referral sources or um, having, it feels like home. It's, it's, It's like a spa between a spa and home you're yeah. like oh my gosh where am i can i just hang out here all day and it's such a what a cool tribe you're building yeah. as a as a and you're a thought leader and that's the whole you know is let's keep pushing this envelope mm-hmm. karen can you talk about conscious capitalism a little bit oh sure i can jeremy you're gonna and jump, jeremy jump both of you please you uh, so uh, the last two years that i've been um, housed at max six with phoenix business radio x um, conscious capitalism arizona has been one of my locations sponsors. And uh, Joe Puzz, actually, who just did his show a bit ago, was the one who introduced me to John Deiter and the McIntosh family. And um, it was through an interview with those guys that they were talking about conscious capitalism, this international movement around doing good business, taking care of people, uh, having a higher purpose, treating people with respect and dignity, and making a making a boatload of money, like capitalism, right? A lot, oftentimes people say that the word conscious and capitalism, uh, it's an oxymoron. What's the word? Oxymoron. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since I've been behind a mic. And that they don't, those words don't go together. And, and actually, once you get embedded into the culture and the conversations, um, it's very evident that we want to have conscious businesses and it is more than okay to to make money not only for your family but for mm-hmm. the community that you live in your employees your stakeholders your customers everything so it, it just makes sense what, anything to add to that Jeremy well wow, that's really solid I mean the, the bumper sticker of conscious capitalism is elevating humanity through business yes, so it's really awesome. about making capitalism work for everyone for the long term 
uh, as opposed to the current narrative where you know trust in business as an institution in general amongst the public is really low, and a lot of that is uh, you know the the news wire that that likes to lead with the stories of mass layoffs and customer ripoffs and things like that, and I think that's penetrated the psyche, and we're losing sight of the fact that we all need commerce. That's where we go get the things we need to provide for our families, yeah. to keep ourselves healthy, where we go earn a living and exchange our capabilities for the value that it can deliver. And so we can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. What we need to do is evolve and, and continue to move forward. I mean, capitalism in and of itself has just been an amazingly powerful force. And in my lifetime, it looks like I'm 20, but a little bit longer than that. <laughs> I've been <laughs> People say that. Well, the person, I was the person. Um, but um, in my lifetime, extreme poverty has been reduced by 80%. And a big chunk of that is because markets opened up in India and China and some of the outlying areas. And so, of course, with that, we've also seen some of the exploitive things that happen with right. people and the planet. And so we just need to continue this evolution of there's some really good things happening. We just can do it better. And that's what conscious capitalism brings to the table is a paradigm, A, to operate from, and B, for us specifically, we are a chapter that is among 50 among the globe. Arizona was the third, which is pretty mm -hmm. awesome. Uh, we've been around for seven years, so we're kind of the, the old dogs on the block. But it's fantastic because it's the community of people that huddle together and say, we want to move the needle, much like what's happening in your environment and caring with you with the station and what you bring to the table, bringing people together, this show, Kelly. That's what we're trying to achieve as a chapter. It's You can read about riding a bike all day, but... You kind of have to get on and pedal if you're going to go anywhere. And so that's what the group of people that come together around Conscious Capitalism are trying to do is let's let's move together. So yeah. great to get Plus, all the things. There's a trend among even like within generations of just having companies have a really strong social impact cause of what is it that you're doing for the rest of humanity or what is it that you're doing for the environment, like giving back. It's kind of, It's almost embedded in a lot of the companies now. I mean, that's what people want to see. Absolutely. And my kiddos who are in their 20s now stepping into the business world and choosing mm -hmm. their careers, they are not unique. A lot of these younger workers are coming in and they will not go to work for a company or pick a career that doesn't resonate with them, you know, with higher purpose. And, 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 and that's not, I mean, that could be anything. It could be environment. Right. It could be how I feel as a soulful individual. It could be what do I want to give back to the community? Mm -hmm. How do I want to change the world? What do I want to invent? That kind of thing. It's all of that, right? Conscious capitalism doesn't speak to just any one of those verticals. Uh, but but our, our generation of workers are coming in and they're saying, I don't want to do what my grandfather did right. or my parents for that matter. I don't want to go in and grind, you know, six o'clock in the morning to six o'clock at night, punch a card only to, uh, you know, get fired when I'm in my, you know, mid fifties for some younger guy and not see my family. Sure, I can make a boatload of money, but I'm going to be compromising my integrity and who I am either putting out a product that I don't believe in or, or not really gelling with a service. And it's interesting as you two have both shared your personal journeys as it relates to the work that you're doing, um, you're speaking to that. And as a host of many shows right here in this studio, as well as the producer of all the other ones, <laughs> unless Kendra's doing it for me like she is today, um, I've seen those beautiful stories that uh, there's, I think we've had over maybe now 2,500 podcasts, radio shows, highlighting and showcasing Metro Phoenix area business owners and actually really Arizona wide. And I would say maybe 2% of the business owners and leaders have not 
held these values. Now, they may not be a member of the conscious capitalism movement yet, <laughs> uh, but, but it resonates with them. Mm-hmm. People are, are being enlightened. People are saying, I, I want to I go to work and feel great about what I'm doing. And I, and I want to feed my family and I want to do well by my family and my neighbor and my vendor and everybody. So it's, it's just good business. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what Jeremy and Kendra and I and, and the Macintosh family and everybody else who's been part of conscious capitalism, for me, it's only been the last two years, even though it's been around much longer than that. We keep saying, like, how do we get more people involved? It, it, because it's, it's just that. It's a movement. It's an organization. It's a volunteer organization. Of course, we need to have you know, a little bit of income for membership to keep things going and inviting great speakers and, and uh, do the things that we want to do. We're just here to tell great stories, lift each other up, make those connections like what Kelly does with her show, and win. It's a win, 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 win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly right. No trade-offs. And, you know, survey after survey says that those things that you just laid out, that, yes, a paycheck is necessary. I need to make sure I keep the lights on and food on the table. But beyond that, people will throw away a higher salary to be part of an organization that gets it, that I'm part of this. I'm not just a number on a spreadsheet that I'm – uh, I'm deeply connected to what's happening with this organization. So it's when you say it's just good business, I mean, I suspect that the companies that don't get on board with these principles are going to kind of phase themselves out. People aren't do. going to want to work for them. Um, you know, the people that are coming to the Commerce Square with their dollars are going to vote with their wallet and say, I'm going to go with this entity that does treat their people humanely and does understand that we've got one planet to sustain ourselves with. And if we're abusive of it, we're out of the game. And so I'm going to shop with the people that are paying attention to that. So I think the long game is going to say that, you know, we keep saying our goal is that we get to ditch the adjective of conscious capitalism. We just get to be capitalism again, a function that that works. This is the standard and we don't need to separate ourselves from the pack that this is the norm. We take care of people. And then not have to say the conscious part because it should just be a given. It's like saying, well, to be honest. And you're like, yeah, I shouldn't have to say to be honest because I'm always honest. right? (laughs) (laughs) People shouldn't have to have that preface. You got a reputation, Kelly. That's right. He's here. (laughs) It's such good business, like you said. And the social impact is huge right now is what is your impact? What are you if you're not doing that? You're in trouble because they are the the even kids. I say kids. Even my brother, who's 31, he's still a kid to me, is saying, "I won't go." He's an he's an actor in L.A. and he will not be. He turned down a commer you know a commercial gig, a huge contract because he couldn't see say I don't want my face on you know so good for smoking or whatever. Right. I mean, like yeah. he you know they're <laughs> they don't care about money. They, they, you know, they care more about the, the impact that it's going to, sh- sh- you know, show and do. And and the truth is, it's a very, it's an abundant world that we live mm-hmm. in, right? We see poverty everywhere, everywhere. Jeremy spoke to abject poverty, which, if I'm not mistaken, mistaken one of the overarching goals or milestones for conscious capitalism inter- international is to eradicate abject Completely. poverty by 2040. Right. I don't know. The I, I think there that was. A, right. Yeah. And I one of the meetings I was at, I just I just perked up and I thought, oh, now that's something I can wrap my brain and heart around. You know, I, I do what I can to volunteer in our community and that sort of thing. But to think that we as business owners and leaders all across the globe can can say that capitalism is the single most effective way to change the trajectory of Anybody who has not been given an opportunity, especially in, you know, small little 
tribes around the world or whatever, we have an opportunity to impact to teach. It's that that old saying that's been, I think, very tired, but it's so important. Teach a man to fish instead of giving him, you know, I'm going to botch that up, but you know the one. Yeah. <laughs> but when we <laughs> teach... Something like the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, but... The idea that we can find out what is what is the gift that you have to offer? You know, maybe it's basket weaving. Maybe it is, you know, you've always wanted, aspired to be a dentist, but in your community, you don't have that opportunity. Let's find, you know, to speak to Shava and how she was, does her thing. Like, let's get somebody. Who can we match you up with to make that happen? And it's, to me... It's funny when Scott McIntosh first was talking about it on air and, and I was hosting that show, I, I, was, I had been an educator uh, in Kyrene School District for years before that, as a third grade teacher and then assistant principal and went on to be a VP for a different organization uh, for schools around the state. And when Scott's describing the four tenets of conscious capitalism, I'm, I'm listening to him I'm like, well, that's who I've been all along. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just how I, and I, I think obviously everybody in this room uh, is similar. We, we wear our heart on our sleeves. We value integrity. We want to do well by the environment and, and our neighbors and, and the people we're working with. We want to feel impassioned by what we're doing. And I didn't know there was a thing called conscious capitalism. And Scott had said the same thing about himself. He had been wildly successful with his mining company. And as he be- began to um, prepare to sell that business and start to you know, meet with highly, highly successful business owners around the country, he was introduced to conscious capitalism and said, we need, kind of like Shaza, we got to bring this into uh, Arizona yeah. and stake our claim here because we do have so many incredible businesses and leaders. I I am so proud of Arizona before Business Radio X, and it's almost been it's been almost three years. In April, it'll be three years that I've owned the studio. As an educator, I also then became a life coach and a business strategist. And it wasn't till I got to sit behind that microphone, either hosting or listening to business owners talk about who they are. I, I never had a sense of pride around Arizona like I do these last several years, just listening to and making those connections. Mm-hmm. You've got to know so-and-so. And oh my right. gosh, did you know that so-and-so is doing this over here and getting them connected? And for about the first six months, I was doing everything as a business owner, the social media and producing and loading it up to my website and getting new guests and scheduling. And oh my gosh, it was crazy. Now I've got Kendra and Angie and Tom and, and uh, Carlin, everybody helping me. Now, my joy, because I have some of those jobs handled, I can sit back and listen to conversations like I've already done today. I, I know there's a couple of gals. I, do you know Kathleen Duffy? Uh, and, yes. Yeah, so they're the, the yeah. Women on Boards Initiative. The Women on Boards Initiative, yeah. Yes. I've been involved with that. I yeah. figured you had. you know, And, and I know, yeah. Jeremy, I've sent you emails and introductions before. And Kelly, of course, we've been doing that together. And that's, that's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. How can we just be a force for good? And at the same time, for me, it's the first business I've had besides one that I was uh, lucky enough to sell and do really well with, that this has been a lucrative business where I can also step away and have that family life outside of feeling like I always have to be, you know, here physically. And I want to create a win for everybody who's in business similar to that. Yeah. We appreciate you being here doing that. Oh, thank you. As you were speaking, that some things that came to mind is we're also at a really exciting um, point in the in the human family's evolution with the level of uh, connectivity we have. Right, there are literally I think three or four billion smartphones on the planet now. Mm-hmm. So we have the this is more powerful than the satellites that went up on the Apollo mission. What we keep on our hip, like it's not even every day. It's less than twenty four hours. We double the amount of knowledge and information that we as a humanity have created every 
less than 24 hours, we're doubling what it was wow, the previous what 24 a cool hours. Statistic, so we right. have this amazing access to yeah. knowledge to one another. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about incubating right. uh, female businesses, like you know, in, in Africa. All of a sudden, the people that just had no access, the institutions were rigged against them to be able to make anything happen. You have a phone and an idea mm-hmm. and and a micro loan. Off and running, and you have the globe is your market, Mm -hmm. and it's really an amazing time where if we harness this capability in the right way, we truly can make sure that nobody gets left behind and we all can prosper in our hearts as well as in our wallets. Kind of cool. And to highlight those businesses by having, you know, by talking about it on out loud, right? Mm -hmm. That, like you saying before, you think of only what the news tells us about Arizona, right? And you're like, oh, you just cringe every time. You're like, but that's not who I associate with. Those aren't my clients. Those are not the people that I'm doing business with, be friends with. And, you know, those aren't our teachers. Like that, it's not the same as what the news is telling. So how cool is it that all of us are finding ways to, to talk about, you know, the good that is Arizona, and the good that we're doing, right. you know. And that's part of our mission. I mean, it's really, at least for uh, for me and for Hera Hub, it's to really promote mm-hmm. and share, like, all these amazing businesses that come through us, that come with us, that we connect to, and highlighting, you know, their stories, what their businesses are, what their mission is, and promoting them. Because that's, that's how we change the story, is if we take that yes. ownership and that initiative and say, we have a story to tell that is not being told or it's being shadowed. So move out of the way. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're going to keep pushing and we're going to change that storyline and, you know, draw, you know, really important connections and really important headlines that are being made. And, you know, there's some people out there that are doing amazing things. It's like... And they're getting overshadowed by, yeah. again, the the soundbite or the, you know, the slimy story because we still think or media still feeds us that that's what sells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, so keep just, pushing. Just, keep, just pushing. keep pushing. I think yeah. it's twofold. I think it's what you're saying, right? That we want to keep telling the great stories and making those connections. And it's also what your brother's representing. And that is to say no. <laughs> to go back after a job interview and an opportunity, even if it's one that has great dollar signs in front of it or, or notoriety. But to go back and sit and get silent and say, is this really what I what I need for me and integrity, you know, mm-hmm. and and I I think we are becoming a more conscious society yeah. and more and more people are starting to make those decisions. And, and that's you had asked, you know, what's something that we we do that people might not be aware of prior to Business Radio X and coming from Kyrene School District. I run a company called Deep Impact Leadership and Soulful Self-Reliance. And it's about teaching people, you know, you talked to Jeremy early on about these different pockets, you know, being healthy, um, you know, mentally and emotionally and and family-wise and community-wise in, in addition to wealth. And when people aren't sure how to do all of that, that's where I get to come in and, and help support them in, in, in growing those muscles. Such good work, all of it. Tell You said something about Kathleen Duffy and then you said something about the initiative for... Yeah, the woman on boards. I mean, it's such a an, it's such an important initiative that's taking place nationwide because when you look at the spectrum of boards and gender gender diversity, but then just diversity in general on corporate boards, it's almost non-existent. So I think oh, like right now, the last statistic I saw was that about twenty percent, a little bit over twenty percent of boards are held by like the seats. Twenty percent are held by women, mm-hmm. and the initiative is to really push that to get to equality, get gender parity of saying no. 
corporate boards should have at least 50-50. We are 50% of the population, and women actually hold the purse strings. They're the ones that have the purchasing power. They make all the healthcare decisions. They really are running the show, and they're running the world, but they aren't being representative. Their thoughts, their feelings, their purchasing power, all of that doesn't um, doesn't get represented on corporate boards. And so this is an initiative to really change that and keep pushing that more women need to be on corporate boards because not only is it good for the board, but it's actually just good for business. Those that do have better diversity on their boards, those corporations have a better ROI. They get better returns. Mm-hmm. Their employees stay longer. Their employees are treated better. Everything within the company is better when you have more gender parity. And so that's something that um, I was involved with. I've been in contact with the Women on Boards initiatives, and it's 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 a big push. And for me, I mean, I've been involved in on the top level, but then also um, coming in and really pushing startups. Those that are even like when you're starting up a company, start with the right foot, you know, start with that in mind of like looking at your board and saying, how many women are there? How many ethnicities? Mm-hmm. How many backgrounds do we have represented? Because products don't fit just a white male demographic. Your product needs to fit all these demographics. And so it's just good business. But, you know, even I think the statistics for even for startups, it's it was it's pretty shocking that um, they're not even starting up their own company boards with that sort of mentality, even with the push and the the, the, the amount of data that it's out there, it's just ridiculous. There's been so much research that has proven it. But California to make it just passed um, a mm-hmm. law not right. too long ago. And we, we were blessed to have the, the gal who started this 2020 Women on Board initiative. She actually came as a guest because Kathleen and I are friends. And she said, hey, she's going to be in town. We need to have her on. And Kathleen and, and uh, Sharon Lecter had been on yeah. before that. And they've been kind of leading the charge mm-hmm. for Arizona specifically. But when this gal came, uh, she really spoke, and I'm forgetting her name. Maybe you might remember who she is. I'll look it up in a moment. She spoke about how she would go and sit with the legislatures and really encourage that this, it's sad that it has to be this way, kind of like the word conscious and capitalism, Kelly pointed out. (laughs) Why why can't we just say capitalism and let that be (laughs) inherent in it? Uh, But she had to fight with the legislature to pass law in California to say that, you know, 20% of boards, business boards at a certain level, uh, I can't remember what the with the um, income level and that sort of thing, right. or or the um, the success level for businesses, but uh, they'll, they'll they will start having fines if they don't have enough women represent, representation on their boards. Mm-hmm. And please go listen to that podcast. I'm not doing it justice. It's one I need to go back and listen to again. But what it took for these women, specifically in California, to make that difference in that state and how it now can influence all the other states around our country to say to everything yeah. that you've shared, you know, we we need a seat at the table. We need several seats at the table. And and they were also very good about saying, listen, it's not just women. It's minority representation. Right, exactly. It's it's everything. And and it's it's again, it's just good business. It's it just makes business. sense yeah. to do that. So I'll look it up as we're chatting and I'll bring it back up again. But there's two podcasts that we did right here at Phoenix Business Radio. One was with Sharon Lecter and Kathleen Duffy mm-hmm. uh, around women on board initiatives. And then I'll look up the other one with this gal's name. But there it was so important. And When we can sit in a conversation with CEOs and CFOs and COOs for these, when these larger businesses and begin to just share the stories that we're talking about, 
it begins to impact and shift them in a positive way. So we just need to get in front. And I say we, meaning all of us, you know, men, women, small, medium-sized businesses, um, nonprofits. We need to have this conversation so people will start cracking open their doors a little bit wider and saying, how can we help? And, oh, yeah, let's the next seat that becomes available. Let's make sure, you know, we're going to open, keep it open to having um, – a wider breadth of representation on our boards. Exactly. exactly. When we come from all, you know, we all have different ways we grew up, right? We all have different experiences. So we bring that to the table, whether, you know, it doesn't matter what color or ethnic background or men, women, we all have different experiences. So we need a huge diverse group, Mm -hmm. you know, to make these decisions on boards. Otherwise, it's going to be the same thing over and over and over. And we're never going to change. Well, and you don't get the innovation. When you don't get the diversity of thought, perspectives, backgrounds, all of that, like you're just staying the status quo and that just doesn't work. It doesn't last very long. Right. You know, and it actually saves a lot of companies from huge embarrassments that when they do put out products or services and then you're like, what the hell is that? (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't believe they just did that. And then you see the social outrage. Right. Right. And then it just gets shut down and they have to send off all these apologies, but they've lost millions, if not Well, and to Jeremy's point, then they're out of business in two years. And and to me, that's the good news is that the light is being shined on this now uh, to kind of shift the perspective from the investment world. One of the biggest booming areas right now is what is called ESG analysis of companies, which stands for environmental, social, Mm -hmm. and governance practices. And so interesting little history, um, like in the 80s, when you would compute what a stock price should be, 85% of that was tied to tangible assets, real things. What what do you have on the shelves? What are your revenues? Things that you could see on a balance sheet. And 15% was sort of the soft area like, okay, IBM's doing something with computers. Maybe that's going to lead to something. We can put a little premium on that. Fast forward to today, and that is completely inverse. So stock valuations are 15% based on what you actually have on your books and 85% on this intangible, which is relationships, which is um, your perception mm-hmm. in the marketplace. Right. Uh, you know, Tesla, for example, they they have 0.02% of cars on the road, but their market capitalization, which is number of shares outstanding times share price, is larger than GM. So that has oh nothing to do gosh. with their asset base. That has everything to do with we think – these guys are onto something, and as investors, we're piling behind that future. And so what ESG is doing is, A, it's brought up this whole sort of democratization on how we evaluate companies because there's a whole ecosystem of third-party data evaluators that are studying social feeds, that are studying, for example, before Wells Fargo had their big, you know, uh, fictitious customer account creation mm-hmm. – Many of the organizations that were rating their track record of behaviors had already greatly diminished their weight in portfolios or wow. taken them out completely. Um, Horizon, uh, the Deepwater Horizon with BP, same thing. They were showing a track record of outsourcing to lowest bidder contractors to maintain their oil rigs. And so mm-hmm. people that were watching those details said, you know, you're not performing the same level as your peers. We're going to downgrade you because we're paying attention to these Thank ESG goodness. factors. There right. was this – necessity. It was driven by money. I'm not going to lie. People want to make sure that my money, I get my return. And so we have to figure out a new way to evaluate companies. And so the birth of this has now forced companies to also self-disclose because I can either trust these third parties, which is all across the map. They all have their own formulas and different ways of calculating things. And so the 
companies themselves are stepping up and saying, well, let me show you what we're doing for diversity. Let me show you what we're doing to have more inclusion on our board so that it's not just at the subjective perspective of outsiders. We want to let you know what are on our board, what's happening. Um, so it's pretty exciting that not only is it an idea, but we're seeing lots of uh, systems being put in place in, in, in the marketplace and just in general that are going to allow us to keep steering this forward in the right way. And how cool is that in every industry? I mean, something you think of, you think of numbers, you know, you're, right. you think of investments, you're like, all right, you want to fall asleep. Thinking, but if you're thinking of what is it, what's the impact it's doing and what are the conversations that are being had in that industry? And then, you know, you mm-hmm. literally brought a female co-working space to Arizona you know, that's this opposite of what everybody thought of Arizona right. as, right? Lack of diversity, you know. And, and I had a lot of pushback. Yes. Oh, I'm sure. And I still have to deal with yeah. a lot of pushback of like, why are you doing this? Why? Why do you need your own space? Why women? And I'm like, yeah. dude, <laughs> it's the program. It's 20, you know, we're 2020 now. <laughs> and it's not just a, 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 an incredible workspace. It's also an award-winning workspace. Yes, and and it's, has yeah. it been, it's been how long? Two years? A year Less and a half? Than a year, yeah, so we years. met, and I can't, I don't know if they're still doing it, but you and I met, um, and I don't, was I, had I started Business Radio X yet? Or I don't, I, really, I don't, I don't think know. so. I we, think we were both in the same, With like, Dina Patton. Yeah, we were. We were <laughs> in. Happy hour. Yes, it was a happy hour. Quarterly, the desert. It was the collective. The yeah, quarterly, quarterly happy Dina. hour. Were you there? For Girls Rule, yes. We hadn't met. No, I no. know. Uh, but we met, and I remember just yes. being so overjoyed with your enthusiasm and your passion for this transition that you were in, you know, all right. the knowledge and the expertise that you'd taken. And then now, you know, saying, I'm going to bring Hair Hub to Arizona. Like, wow, that's really cool. But I don't, I don't recall. We if, hadn't, I hadn't opened yet. No, you hadn't yeah. opened yet and you mm-hmm. hadn't found your space. No. Uh, yeah. But I just remember, wow, that was incredible. And I don't think I had even, I don't think uh, Phoenix Business Radio was even a glimmer in my eye yet. I think I was just consulting. <laughs> yeah. It's way cool. Way cool. So I'm curious Go ahead. All right. Sorry. Yeah. Um, not hopefully you won't give away any trade secrets, but what's mm-hmm. next for your organization? Where, where, what does the next level look like? How do you? Well, you know, I really wanted to is just create an ecosystem. So it's not just me. I don't see it as it's just me. It's more of a partnership. But what are we doing within this city? Mm. that can replicate what other cities have. So, yes, we have a female-focused you know, focused co-working space. We actually added on um, a partner that's an accelerator that can actually help people that are have an idea and they don't know what to do with it or just push them along in a real framework. So it's not just a few workshops here and there that'll kind of put you along. It's like, no, let's just accelerate this and push you. Um, and then it's really focusing on the funding. It's where, like right now, Women still get, I think, like 2% of funding compared to men, and they are constantly being rejected. And so that's the next level for the city is not only we want to grow Hair Hub and just grow our base, but then um, work with partners and really develop that ecosystem that really focuses on funding. How can we fund these women business owners? How can we fund their ideas, their startups, and really help them grow and stay in Phoenix and not relocate out? Because we do have that. Yeah. As many you know companies that you hear about, and those are mostly the bigger tech companies that are coming to Phoenix, there are still plenty that are leaving. Right. And uh, many of them are female startups that are like, we're just not getting the funding here. We're not getting the support. So we're going to take our company and go elsewhere, you know, whereas that could just it's just such when we support women business owners and their ideas, it just adds back to the community. And that's one of the biggest investments in supporting women, you know, business owners and entrepreneurs is that 
women always give back. They give back to the community. They give back in so many different ways because it's almost like part of our mission. Maternal instinct. Yeah. Right? It's like, like how do we just like triple our social impact on like the local community, on the education system, on the political system, like everything. I mean, that's one of the fascinating things that sitting in my seat when I talk to so many women business owners is they're not just business owners. They have their hand in so many different things in the city that they're always they're always involved in a nonprofit. They're always mm-hmm. involved in a lot of other initiatives. And that's just because they care. Like they want to grow businesses. They want to have their own business, but they also want to give back. And then so we're super busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you connected with local First Arizona and Kimber yes, Landing specifically? Yes. Okay. So they do their show out of here as well. Mm-hmm. And I'll be speaking at, at the summit in January oh, awesome. because Kimber... Uh, you, do you know you know Kimber oh, sure. both of you yeah amazing so and the, and everything she's done for local businesses yes, exactly. with a help more more recently with Thomas Barr who's the executive director now uh, and then BBB the Better mm-hmm. Business Bureau as well are you connected with Kimberly Rowland yes, okay good yeah, uh, it, yeah. it's been a while since you and I connected yeah. so I'm I'm thrilled <laughs> that we're here uh, reconnecting because yeah. that's kind of you know this. Like Hera Hub and the Conscious Capitalism, Phoenix Business Radio is this melting pot. And, and again, we got to do our job and make sure everybody knows who everybody is. But yeah, let's keep fighting the good fight. Investments, too. I would assume you see the same thing like Shaza was was alluding to, that women hold the purse. I see lots of greedy women. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, let me show you yeah. the sliding door. Yeah. Right. The Hit that button, Kendra. I've let Hit you that talk button. plenty Jack for the button. last 45 minutes. <laughs> right. Now let, let me represent them. <laughs> um, Yes, absolutely. Uh, there is the largest wealth transfer ever happening mm-hmm. right now as yeah. the baby boomers are meeting their demise. And seven out of 10 times, the female will outlast the male. And so in spousal situations, they are, I mean, we're talking tr- tens of trillions of dollars wow. are, are literally being in the purse of the women just because yeah. there's not even anybody to fight with. That's theirs. And um, encouragingly, as it moves on to the next generation, these are the same people we were just speaking of that are value-centric. Yes, of course, I want to make a return, but I also want to be able to make sure that my dollars align with what's in my heart. And some of those ESG elements that I was speaking to earlier, that gives that opportunity to exist, that we now know what board composition looks like. And so I can invest not only in a tech company, but one that has a good representation of women on the board or diversity on the board. So um, it's exciting to see that. And uh, absolutely, the women women are in control. Yeah. And that's another paradigm shift that we're seeing is really also educating those women on the difference between philanthropy and investing. Yes. Because you have a lot of wealthy women that because they're outliving all these men, they have a lot of wealth and they're giving it away in philanthropy. And there's that's good. You know, we should always give away money in philanthropy, but educating them on if you could invest that money in another company, the impact is far greater. Absolutely. And your return and on investment yes. may, may also be. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Very well. The female so. led, we just did. You just did a blog on that yeah. about the female life, like women helping other women, you know, successful investing. women, investing yeah. in other mm-hmm. startup women's companies. What a cool thing. Yeah, there's been so many more. I mean, just in the past, I want to say five years, just a huge growth in female-led VC firms, female angel investors, female angel groups that are just popping up all over the world because they're getting onto that that, you know, just that mindset of like, if we're going to, if if women business owners aren't going to be invested by everybody else, the general track, then we need to create new roles and we just need to start investing in, you know, more female startups. 
So it's exciting times. There's a lot of change going on. Um, if you could tell again about Teach Amanda Fish, could you give us that one more time? You like the way I did that. <laughs> huh? I did. Yeah. Um, in the spirit of that, though, when it comes to philanthropy versus actual investing in organizations um, within conscious capitalism, we'd say that whether you're nonprofit or for profit, it doesn't matter, yes. right? It's you file your taxes a little bit differently, and if you have a surplus at the end of the year, you have to treat that differently. But otherwise, you have to create value for people. You have to bring in revenues to sustain your mission. And so, if we set an expectation of rather than I'm sending you a blind check, do good with it, versus I'm going to hold you to account mm-hmm. that I want this to propagate mm-hmm. and not just feed a family, but give somebody right. a job so that they can feed their family in perpetuity and so that they have a purpose and that they are uh, contributing and are purchasing within the economic system and in a whole. So philanthropy in of itself is really sort of the, the easy road, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times, unfortunately, that's kind of a tax incentive and, and that's fine as long as the dollars are going to the place of need. That's OK. Mm-hmm. But I, for one, think we should expect more out of our, our nonprofit and our philanthropy mm-hmm. that as we give dollars, we should expect more than it feels good. Uh, let's, right. let's put some real human return in that. And for conscious capitalism, as you speak on that, tell us how somebody would get involved yeah, and what's coming up. I've been out of the yeah. pocket on a personal leave for seven weeks, so I'm I'm curious because I need to get back in as well. So, yeah, where what's going on and, and what's happening soon and how do we get involved? Yes, yeah, so the easiest place to plug in is ccarizona.org is the website, and so that will pipe you into uh, the high level what is it and our event schedule, which is really the best thing. Uh, you know, again, to the use the bike analogy, you can read about it or you can get in here and meet the people that are huddling around these this concept because it's really the best part for me is just the the people you encounter. It's this natural magnet or sifter, if you will, that we all kind of view the world the same way. And I, it's not bad for me to want to grow a business and have some material desires, but at the same time, take care of people. Those things can coexist. They're not uh, at odds with one another. So the people that are attracted to that concept are just – uh, the most common thing we hear is, I found my trot. I was just going to yeah, say that if you yeah. didn't. Yes. So um, that's what I would encourage is check out the event schedule on ccarizona.org and, and plug in on that. As far as what's coming up, um, we've got a really exciting um, – we're in a shift right now. So we've gone from a classic sort of single executive director, president running things to we actually have a team now of seven people that are, are leading activities. So that has allowed us to expand – Um, the amount of things that we're putting on the board. And also, uh, we have this really amazing group of uh, volunteers within the community. Again, the the folks that are attracted to this, it's it's not just something that I want to come to the once a month and, and hang out. It's more of how do we move the needle on this? What can I do to participate? And so we've had people raising their hand for, you know, I'm about two years, the same as you, Karen. So I, I see it all the time. Or how can we plug in? How can we help? Well, Kendra over here is manning that post of anybody that raises their hand, we're going to find a place for them to plug in. So that has allowed us to really expand programming where our conventional engagement opportunities were a monthly meeting and a couple marquee events like last year was a big one. We actually were the host city for the international conference. So we had about 600 plus Uh, conscious capitalists from around the globe huddle up for a few days here, which was really uh, awesome to be part of. Uh, The month before that, we actually had an event right here at Max 6 where we had three to 400 people. We couldn't even keep track at Mm -hmm. the check-in desk to know exactly what the (laughs) headcount was, but uh, it was outside. We couldn't possibly... People want to know. People want to know how to Mm -hmm. keep uplifting this and keep moving it forward. Correct. For a multitude of reasons, but the facts are that they want to be part of it. And so um, it's exciting that we're going to be able to maintain those same things, but also expand programming. So one of the things that uh, we really see an opportunity is to give people 
more than just exposure to stories and connections with people, but also I want to develop my practice, right? So if you go to a health club, sure, I can help myself to the exercise equipment or the weight pile, but I can also go sign up for a class and have somebody really walk me through a structured um, formula that has yielded results for other people. And then I kind of have this accountability with everybody else next to me, right? I don't want to be the one that's sweating and holding my waist and saying, I got nothing left or give me two minute break. Like I want to keep up with everybody. And so we want to offer those type of opportunities. So our programming for 2020 is we're going from once a month to once a week type of activities. And we're trying to meet people where they're at. So we have expanded our programming to include what we're calling conscious chats. And so we have five locations across the state right now where each month we just huddle up at a coffee shop or an eatery or wherever it makes sense, trying to be close to people rather than it's great that we have events in Tempe on a Thursday night, but not everybody can be in Tempe on a Thursday night. And so we want to help make it easy to connect with these people. And we just have really good conversations on how do we do this? Um, This all makes sense. It's all roses, right? When you're growing and you don't have to worry about, boy, we got a check coming due and uh, we haven't collected our payment from over here. Like that's when business gets tough, right? And so that's where we want to make sure that we're supporting one another in those conversations. Uh, We had a homeless camp build right outside our parking lot in our office a couple years ago. And it was a real interesting challenge. How do you humanely deal with that situation? We care for them and their situation, but our clients want to feel comfortable going from their car to the building. And so that's where it gets tough. Mm-hmm. How do I how do I exercise myself as a conscious business when pressed with a challenge like that? And so that's mm-hmm. the type of things we want to include in our conversations and huddle up with like-minded people to figure out those challenges. No more coffee shops. Use, use Hera mm-hmm. Hub or Max 6, right? Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, beautiful Venue spaces. Venue will rotate. Yeah. Yeah. Great suggestion. Thank you. <laughs> if there was something you could tell us about Hera Hub or you in particular, what's coming? What are you excited about? Wow. Um, really just growth. I mean, we there's so much more to do for the city and for women in general that we're just on a growth phase. And so we just want people to come in, really plug in, stop by, use our space. If you need an escape room for a lot of um, executives even that are trying to find their escape room, we just have this beautiful space that people Mm -hmm. can run and hide in and and get a lot of stuff done in a very zen environment. So um, just, you know, growth, growth of our business growth of our programming, our accelerator, just really providing those resources. Like we listen a lot to what our members want, what the community is asking for. I mean, we've been asked, we get about 150 phone calls a month from all over the state. That's how much, like we've hit a needle, like we've hit a nerve, I I think, you know, in what is it that people are looking for, especially women in business? And so it's really spending a lot of time listening to all of that and figuring out what else can we offer for people in Yuma, for people in Tucson, for people on the border that and people up in Flagstaff that are calling us and saying, we want this too, mm-hmm. or we want something, or we want to plug in. And so it's just, um, it's an exciting time and a definitely growth time. So we just keep encouraging people just come in and be part of the community and, you know, give back to everybody through your contributions and through your, you know, collaborations and then just, you know, help help us push the needle for Arizona and put us on the map. 
So exciting. That's Karen, great. what about you? Phoenix Business Radio X. What's, uh, what's up and coming? Let's get through the holiday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. All in one piece. So we are also in a growth phase. Um, again, I've had the studio. I've been around for two and a half years, but the parent company has been around for 12, almost 13. And we're growing uh, nationally. Uh, it is a licensure instead of a franchise. So I own the rights to Phoenix Business Radio. And we've got, I mentioned Adrian with Valley Business Radio X and Mark uh, in Tucson, Mark Bishop in Tucson. So there's more opportunities for other satellite studios, kind of boutique studios. If you're interested in owning a studio that might look like, you can certainly contact me at karen.nowicki at businessradiox.com. And also, you know, we're here to tell these great stories. So the kind of the wreath on the door, the complimentary opportunity is when I host house shows. Uh, they're just the Phoenix Business Radio shows and folks come in and they want to tell their story. I've got, you know, PR folks and CEOs and CFOs contacting me all the time down all the way down to the small business owners with uh, much smaller scale businesses. And that's always going to be a complimentary opportunity. But the, the growth and the revenue piece for me personally as a business owner, I would be remiss if I didn't speak to that, is people like Kelly, of course, and Joe as I mentioned, and other organizations who see the value in storytelling and accelerated relationship building. Um, and so we become the media partner for those businesses and organizations, and they pay us to produce their podcast and their radio show. And it increases their visibility. It helps them accelerate the relationships and thank the people they're already doing business with. It also is a great way to say, hey, I'd like to get to know you because you're picking up the phone and you're saying, you know, hey, come be on this show with me. And the answer is never no. But if you call and say, hey, I've got this to sell or, you know, can we meet for coffee because I want to tell you about XYZ, they're, they're hanging up because they had six such phone calls prior to yours. So we want to become your media partner and it's earned media. It is, you know, the hosts and the sponsors pay for the spot, but you as a guest will never have to pay unlike some of our competitors. So um, if you want to learn more, certainly contact me again at karen.nowicki at businessradiox.com. You can tell us I've done this a few times. <laughs> And also, you can find us at phoenixbusinessradiox.com. This has been fun to sit on this other side. I bet. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Shaza, how can people get a hold of you? Easy. You can go to herahub.com, H-E-R-A-H-U-B.com forward slash Phoenix. Um, that's our main website. And connect us, connect with us through there or just email me directly. My first name, S-H-A-T-H-A at herahub.com. Thank you for being on the show. Jeremy, what about you? How people can find you? Uh, well, you'd probably have to go through my agent. But, <laughs> uh, Love it. So uh, we've got Conscious Capitalism is ccarizona.org. Retirement Evolutions is retevo.com. My contact information lurks on both of those websites. Perfect. Thank you all so much for being on the show. Thanks for the opportunity. If you have enjoyed listening, we are on air the third Thursday of every month at 1 p.m., You've been listening to Collaborative Connections radio show and podcast sponsored by KLM Consulting. KLM Consulting is an on-demand business concierge and project management firm. We love helping entrepreneurs and nonprofits build, brand, and brag about their business. Until next time, happy connecting. Mm -hmm.